Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. <laughs> the fire of the cayenne pepper will fuel me in this episode of Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Very nice introduction. Hey, welcome to Catholic Stuff. This is Father Nathan. This is Father John, and uh, Father Nathan has cayenne pepper. Cayenne tea, pepper. Which just does not sound like a good idea. Cayenne pepper, ginger, and lemon, um, and honey. And honey. In my green tea. There you go. Well, it's a morning, so we are uh, enjoying tea and uh, coffee here. And uh, we're in Colorado, which is amazing. We are both in Colorado. I am just still shocked by that fact, so... We are in Wayne Manor. <laughs> I, it's we, we need to take a moment here to describe. So we're recording from a new location. At yep. least this is new for me. Have you recorded? No. It's great to be together. We haven't done this since. It's true. The four of us were together. Since the at, villa. Since the villa. But I feel like I'm in like a... I never played Dungeons and Dragons, but I would presume this is what it would look like. This would be the kind of setting you That's would it. want to... Or that, you know, that scene in like the Mario Brothers when you would drop in and have to fight Wario and kind of... Jump over the. That's exactly. Actually, I've never thought about that way, but I feel like we have to like jump over like lava and you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Wayne Manor is one of the strangest. I think I'm going to use the picture of that that chandelier as the cover of this of this podcast of this podcast because yeah, this is we're living three priests, three companion priests: Father Daniel Usterman, newly ordained. Yes. And uh, Dan Wolbeck, seminarian. So seminarian. the four of us are together here, living the living the life, living the dream, in Wayne Manor, which is also known as Schloss Goebbels. Schloss Goebbels, yeah. And uh, but it's a rather bizarre room here that we're we're sitting in. Yeah, the house is kind of sectioned off. You have like the women's sitting room, which I think looks something akin to a funeral parlor. <laughs> Um, <laughs> particularly because I, I hung a crucifix in between these really ornate chandeliers and it just looks like where you'd lay a body out and pay your respects. <laughs> um, and then that room is, you know, like sectioned off by these two double doors and there's a fireplace that goes in between. And then there's this expansive, like, imagine the mind of Salvador Dali that had just been assaulted by like Kantian ethics. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I was walking through here. My sister Katie brought her boys over. Uh oh, Jackson and Micah. And I said, "All right, boys, let's explore." And ja- Mike and Jackson goes, "Hold my hand. I'm scared." <laughs> <laughs> so we had to. I held his hand as we walked through the house because it's a very scary, yeah. scary place. And then we threw pine cones in the lake for about an hour. That's that's the way to do it. It was a. It was that was yesterday morning. That was the Jackson. Day. Uh, I did invite uh, Jackson back to. Uh, to uh, fish in the pond and swim in the pool. But another thing that I want to do is I want to get just Nerf guns, get like a whole arsenal of Nerf guns like we did on Villa. That would and then just have like an epic shootout See, in the See, you're house. the cool uncle. I am not the cool uncle. I got to work on this you stuff. You threw pine cones in the lake, man. That's you awesome. You know what Jackson said, though? I gave him a full tour of the house, and this might be disclosing too much, but previous owner renovated this ridiculously huge shower that I have inherited. And uh, so we were walking through the whole house, and Jackson, at the end of the day, goes, I'd like to come back here. Like to go swim in that pool and then take a shower. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's a very gigantic. Yeah, it's very strange. It has it's the huge shower, but the water pressure is not like that good. Yeah, you know, and whatever. You look like you can spray off a baby elephant in that thing. <laughs> so, well, the uh, uh, I like to keep it nice and tight. The uh, I like the stall shower. The only thing. Uh, 
this house is not the only thing that's weird, though. It's the the people who reside in it as well, who I think are making it weirder. The mullet is beyond it's there's it's beyond words now, more than words in the from the band Extreme in the late eighties. It's, it's going actually. My brother, did you see that picture that Mike posted to Instagram? I did not. Maybe he, I did. He posted a picture of the back of my head, like with the mullet. And I didn't even recognize my own hair. I was like, oh, with oh. the shadow of it? I was like, oh, gosh, what is that? Well, I had something weird a couple weeks ago. So I had my um, thesis defense two weeks ago. I was in Rome. This is the last day before I left, uh, the 15th of June. And I was just nervous, nervous, nervous. And I just kind of do random things when I'm nervous because I'm trying to kind of cut the mood, you know? So I had a kind of a beard because I had been studying on this bender. And I was like, I got to shave this thing off, you know? So I got the beard trimmer out. And I'm like just so nervous about it. I'm like, I, I'm gonna shave a Fu Manchu just to kind of right. loosen it up a little bit. So, shave down the sides, keep the huge stash. Yep. Keep the kind of the Hulk Hogan look. Yeah. And I'm I'm laughing and laughing, and then I go to turn the thing back on, won't turn back on. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! And so I, I'm one hour from my thesis defense with all my opus day instructors and i have a fu manchu shaved into my face and i was like this is unbelievable so i tracked another guys down and was able to clean it up but yeah, couldn't you just use your razor uh it was a little thick it was thick. believe it or not wow you had grown it for a long time though. i know i know so we, we chopped it down but uh cleaned it up and then came back and my dad got ordained a deacon which was the that's big news right of yeah the, man uh, a lot has happened yeah so that was the big news the last two weeks it's great to be home great to have deacon daryl neppel Yep, the gave double a, D. Double D gave a great first homily. Yes, he did. It was amazing. I was watching him preach, and he he was so nervous about it before, mm-hmm. and he was flawless. Yep. But his hand was shaking. Oh, I could really? See it. I could see it because I was right next to him in the pulpit. But he, And I remember when I first started, did you ever have this where your legs would shake yep. under the pulpit? Yep. When I first, and even still every once in a while when you're just in a bad spot and your legs just start to boo boo So. Yep. Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty smooth. He was pretty smooth. So, yeah, he had nothing to worry about. He had uh, he had it all planned out. Yeah. And then I had uh, Deacon Jeff Bennett. Uh, That's he, right. He's a parishioner of mine who's now uh, a deacon, and he was ordained at the same class. And then Deacon Rob Lanciotti. Rob Lanciotti. So there were some there were some classic characters in there. Yep. So it was a, it was a fun ordination, frankly. There was a middle schooler yesterday who re- who listens to the podcast. I didn't get his name, but I was up here in confessions for Camp Waitiba, and uh-huh. this kid's like Father John. Oh yeah, from Catholic stuff. And they were like, "What?" The teachers were like, "How did you know that?" So, whoever had a kid this week at Camp Waitiba who's listening to the podcast, right. thank I want to thank them. So there you go. Your style of banter is so much more casual than Mike's. Mike likes to be zany. That's like his big thing. Hey, hey, you know, he'll just you know throw out kind of crazy zany zany ideas and so you're just kind of this well, is just morning chat here with father nathan yeah i mean it just depends on the mood what i've been into i i woke up in a i'm not in a foul mood i woke up nauseous yeah like all morning and it hasn't ceased so that's that's why i'm actually rocking the cayenne pepper. do you know why you're probably pregnant oh my god hate to tell you that you know it could be it could be what is that called uh transference because hmm. uh daniel Eusterman, <laughs> father daniel Eusterman's sister, sister laura is going into labor right now so it's transference yeah transference that's crazy well i woke up now i mean I, also. I have been sympathy weight i have been gaining that for every pregnant woman ever yeah oh um, uh, that's i felt nauseous when i woke up this morning too but but it was 
there was a cause for from that a effect. long night. Yeah. No, it was from the fact that on the way down from hearing confessions last night up in the mountains, Father Joseph Lejoie and I got in a long conversation over what is the greater Taco Bell choice, uh, cheesy gordita crunch or Crunchwrap Supreme, which is a kind of an ancient conversation mm. dating back to Becca Messel five years ago, which almost destroyed our friendship. Oh. And we talked about it for so long that I was like, we have to stop at Taco Bell. Yeah, neither. The answer never, is neither. Never. The fourth meal at midnight always sounds like a good idea, especially when you're hearing confessions. True, and, yeah. And it's never, ever a good I, idea. I would, I, I, I think your casuistry is incorrect on this one. Uh, that both of them? Well, both, I mean, the fourth meal is always a good idea. Come on. <laughs> always the, a good idea. At the time, it goes down so smooth. Afterwards, not so much. So you're not into intermittent fasting, are you? No, yeah. No, the I got the Crunchwrap. Father Joe Doman loves the Crunchwrap Supreme. And I was like, I'm not digging it. I'm not digging it. And the Cheesy Gordita Crunch? No way. You know what I do? The Baja, <laughs> the Baja Chalupa. The Baja Chalupa, folks. Uh, and they they don't even have the Baja sauce on the menu anymore, but they have to use it for a certain ingredient and something. So it's kind of like you're ordering off the menu. Oh, man, you're in. Baja Chalupa is tasty. Well, none of that sounds good right now, the morning after. The other day, I told myself, I'm sorry, I mean, Sunit Zaleski has been wanting to go to Taco Bell with me for a really long time, and we still haven't gone. But the other day, I was like, I'm going to get three different things that would normally be the centerpiece of my order. (laughs) And I'm going to get all three, and I'm going to test all of them. And by the end of it, I was just like, why am I doing this? This yep. is a really bad idea. And then, like, the whole next day. Anyways. What did Sneed order? I don't know what Sneed orders. Hi, Dan Welbeck. How you doing? Peeking in. Peeking in. Seminarian. Peeking in. He's hard at work today. <laughs> hard well, at work, Today's yeah. his day off, so. Every, yeah. Yep. yep. I told him I was Congrats like... Congrats to the Welbeck family. They had a oh, wedding a couple weeks ago. Patrick. Yep. Patrick Yep. Patrick Shout out to and Patrick Julie. and Julia, and then Deacon Mark and I were at the altar last week for Strunk Wedding. Oh, that's fine. I've known this family for 15 years, and the father pulls me aside. See you, Dan. Father pulls me aside Bye. after the rehearsal and says, the name is not pronounced Strunk. And I was like, ooh, I should have known that. It's Strunz. Strunz. Well, I said... 15 years. 20, maybe oh, 20 no. years. I've known this since the early 90s. Crazy. Strunz? Strunz. Strunz. So then yeah, I got in my head, strunts, but then I started saying students, and it was like students, and then is it an umlaut? Where's the umlaut? It got bad. That's so, embarrassing. So you just kind of cough when you introduce them, when you don't really know how to pronounce the name. <laughs> it's a great honor to introduce you the first time, Mr. and Mrs. Tommy and Crystal. <clears throat> you may kiss you, the bride. You screwed it up at the wedding? No, I think I got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Sinidors. We haven't gone. We haven't gone. Poor um, But, um... But anyways, by the end of it, I was like, this is a really bad idea. Why did I do this? So, anywho. Hey, you know what we should do? A Just topic. banter. A topic? Because yeah. we don't actually have a topic prepared. I do. I have a book. I'm ready. <sighs> All right. You got you, a book? You, see, You're I've ready? noticed the difference. What the difference do? between you and Mike is Mike's Which zany. Mike? Which Mike? Mike? Father Mike Rapp. Okay. Mike's zany whatever intro, like, usually ends up in flowing into the you know, like the, the topic at hand. Like he usually has some way to tie it back. Right. Like you're a hard, you're a hard stopper. Hard stopper. You're a hard stopper. You're like, okay, enough banter. Um, to the top. 
And then it's just like, whoa, buddy. I'm like, hey, we're, we're just, just kind of eat. We're just, just feeling getting to know it each out. other, man. Like, what's the deal? Yeah, that's true. That was a hard stop. It just, Ed, Ed, I don't know how long it's been. You've been you talking gotta, for. You got to throw in the clutch. 362 buddy. bars. Throw in the clutch. Throw, throw in, in the, the clutch, clutch before you throw into the gear. Yeah, that's true. Anywho. Well, that's crazy. You didn't get to go to Taco Bell with Sunit. Oh my god! And then I was gonna, I was gonna slowly work it back. Just slowly okay. work it back. It's I, fine. It's I, fine. It doesn't. It's have over. To, I killed it. Doesn't have to get in there. Killed the vibe. Okay, dude. Can I just? Can I talk now? I feel like you're being very abrupt right uh, now. I'm. I'm still feeling sick. I don't like <laughs> this. This is a new environment. We're not drinking. Off put. I know this is what we sound like. Anywho, um, on coffee. Yeah. Hmm. Well. We're just gonna go to it because I don't know. I don't know a fancy way to link it back to the <laughs> whatever. I mean, in a way, it relates to what I said before. Um, you know, like in a car, you have like gauges, okay? You know, different things that you're looking at or whatever. And one of the gauges, which is very important, that normally just completely gets overlooked because you just normally think <clears throat> that it's uh, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, is the temperature gauge. Like, fuel gauge, you're like, all right, how far, you know, before, whatever. Uh, maybe you check your RPMs. I, when I did all the time whenever I was driving a clutch. Now I don't even care because I have an automatic. Um, I don't even know what the other gauges are. F- like, oil level or something like that? I don't know. On some of the older ones, they had oil level. My, Father John's driving a 2015, like, Volkswagen Passat. Passat. So, like, it probably has, like, the stock market and... <laughs> You know, what did... Uh, I'm very grateful for this car for the summer. That's it's right. It's like, I feel like the most powerful man on the planet. It was, it was I part talk, of the deal. I can talk into the speakers. I still don't understand how that works. Yeah. The Bluetooth. Bluetooth. And the Weefies. What is her name? Merkel. It's just a face of Merkel. Face you know, of as Merkel. As you're driving. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Angela Merkel, the prime minister. Ah, uh, yes, there you go. Anywho, uh, but one gauge that you don't necessarily look at it until, you know, like, it actually needs to be looked at is the temperature gauge. Um... Do you, do you like have any, are you good with that kind of car stuff? No, no, no I'm horrible. Have no. you ever had a car go like in the temperature gauge? Overheat. Go from, overheat. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. It's a frightening experience. Has your car done that? Yeah. The old Mercedes uh, station wagon. Where it just. I was driving, I was driving from Lord's house to uh, somewhere else. I don't even know where. Um, and then all of a sudden the, I just saw the thing just go whoop. Like just bam swung Ooh. the other way and I was like well that's weird it's usually running right in the middle it's like there's like cold and hot and then it's straight in the middle Mercedes straight in the middle sometimes like on the old Ford Explorer or my Dodge Shadow it would like be just a shade over you know but the Germans like everything precise they Double. have the exact the exact level between yeah. cold and hot I've been nervous about this ever since my friend Tim Poquette's parents were just driving along and their car just burst into flames and I'm kind of always Ready to be like, is that going to happen anymore? Really? Yeah, probably not with this Passat. I hope that doesn't happen, since I don't own it. But uh, maybe if you have a Samsung Eight or something, like that, <laughs> yeah. that could happen. That was so funny. Like I feel so bad for Samsung. They're like, they're like talking about their phones, and they're like, just so you know, our phones go through a forty-eight, fifty-five thousand point safety inspection. I'm like, 
I don't expect my phone to have to go through a safety inspection. I just wanted to make <laughs> phone calls. But that's I, like, don't worry, you're safe. I'm like, I remember I being s- on a plane right when that all went down a transatlantic flight, and they were like, okay, so please buckle your seatbelts and uh, turn your air, your phones to airplane mode. Unless you have a Samsung 8, then turn it off immediately. Let me repeat, please turn off your seatbelt. <laughs> it was like, the guy just went so hardcore. All the Save time. us all. <laughs> so yeah, the temperature gauge. So like, that usually means you're overheating. Radiators busted. I like open up the, I open up the hood, you know, pretending like I know anything about this. And there's just like green liquid. Just, <laughs> I'm like, yep, I'm screwed. So uh, I called them. They they have a one eight hundred number you can call on any Mercedes, really, um, and BMWs, and they will send roadside assistance to give you either tires, oil, uh, what is it? Tires, oil, gas. If you run out of gas, you know all those things. Um, but the guy pretty much showed up and was like, yeah, you, there's nothing I can do for you. So that was fine. Um, so then eventually, you know, I had to go get it. I know so little about gauges that Catherine Aron actually instructed me on something about the gauges. Because I was driving a car I didn't know. And I said, do you know which side the gas tank's on? We were pulling up and it's kind of right. gas, you know, and you're kind of like poking your head out the window. And she goes, every car has a little arrow on it. Most cars. Most cars. Yeah, it's true. I couldn't believe it, though. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Not every car, though. Yeah. On the Isuzu, yeah. the old Isuzu, you remember uh-huh. the Koopa oh, yeah. Troopa? The Koopa Troopa. The gas tank <laughs> logo on the gauges was on the left side. The fill-up was on the right. Huh. Every single time, I looked like an idiot. <laughs> so I would just be like, oh, it's on the left side. Do, 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 do. And I'd get out of my car, and then like try to pump the gas, and then I'd be like, dang it. So then I'd turn around, and then there was one time that I did the thing where you circle around, and you end up on the exact same side, <laughs> then you get out of your car and try to pump it again, and then, you know, do it again, so um, hopefully the store manager, like, watched the you know, surveillance tape and was like, that guy's a bozo. <laughs> Anyways, so the temperature gauges. There's, there should be some kind of median level that you know, this is where it should normally be at, okay? Like, temperature-wise, right. okay? This is all to say, to ask one question, John, and how you determine, how you answer this question will determine the rest oh, man, of this I'm conversation. The, I'm getting the You're getting point, the karate chop. The karate chop. How you answer this is going to determine <laughs> the rest of this. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, how you answer I'm this nervous. question will determine the rest of this conversation. I'm already in a torture chamber right now. That's true. Okay, here we go. <laughs> no phone of friends. Um, what is the normal, uh, like disposition of the spiritual life the normal disposition of the spiritual where life. should you be falling in the spiritual life think of consolation and desolation consolation you, you should know, be in either you should be in either okay yeah i will say that because there was a certain person who will remain nameless that one time told an entire group of people who will remain nameless uh, that the normal disposition of the spiritual life is to be in consolation. Right, that's not St. Ignatius. That, it, Ladies and gentlemen, that is a correct answer. Bing, 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 bing. I wish that I had like a $10,000 pyramid and it was just like, dun, 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 dun. And it's like, we thank our sponsors. Uh, yes, that is true. Consolation is not the normal uh, disposition or the normal kind of base, home base of the spiritual life. Uh, you run kind of somewhere in the middle. 
You run somewhere in the middle. It's awkward because with cars, you're always in the middle. If you go hot, your your car's actually exploding. And if you go cold, like it's just warming up or something like that. So right. that's where the analogy feels. But some people would say, no, no, I always, if I'm thinking about myself in terms of the spiritual life, I always have to see myself as in consolation. And if not, I need to work to get back in consolation. Right. There was a famous line from another person who will remain nameless that uh, the spiritual life can be condensed to nothing more than leaping from one lily pad of consolation to another. And the interim period between one lily pad and the other is the experience, the felt experience of desolation. It was on that day, my friend, that I got a $350 ticket because Father Keith Kenny and I drove to go blow off some steam and I didn't have my key, I didn't have my wallet, and I made an illegal left-hand turn in a school zone. Because Keith told you you could. Because Keith told me I could. Yeah, exactly. It was really his fault. Anyways, um, I was so infuriated by that conversation. And actually, there was a number of guys that were like, um, I, I can't believe that we're hearing this. Um, and some guys were like, oh, I always thought about that. Anyways, um, so that's not St. Ignatius. Why? That's, that's, that's my question as well. Well, the You've already answered the first question. Well done. I think the danger in it is, because I feel like I come across this a lot. There's, I mean, Americans, we kind of view spirituality as a um, therapeutic, you know? So how is this going to help me? Or technique, yeah. Yeah, what's what's in this for me? I want to feel good about my relationship yep. with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I he should make me feel better about my life, you know? So we don't like bad feelings, right? And any good psychologist will tell you, you can't moralize feelings, affections, movements. But what happens is this, if you import this spiritual hermeneutic to say, if your experience is this, then you're good. If it's not, then it's bad. Then all of a sudden it can have really devastating effects on, um, on your own psychological dimension of the faith as well to say, well, I'm obviously screwing up because I'm in desolation again, mm -hmm. or I just, you know, I'm, you know, whatever it might be. It's just very, very dangerous to, to kind of um, make consolation the normative experience that mm -hmm. all God wants to do is to make us just feel warm and fuzzy all the time. It's mm -hmm. like, is this, is this the the crucified God that we worship? Is yes. this is this truly the logic of the Christian life? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think what you're saying is important, and I would, I would disagree with our anonymous, anonymous person. Person, exactly. Um, and I I remember from my my time, you know, reading uh, the rules of Saint Ignatius that. And we've done podcasts on this, like what to do in desolation and even our podcast that we did so long ago on the discernment of spirits. But there are reasons why you end up in desolation um, there. And, and some of them are three. there are three. Yeah. And we've talked about them. Um, but one of those reasons is because God is testing you, you know. And so it's not necessarily like you're in a bad place. It's actually God's placing you there right. so as to prove are you desirous of him or the feeling of consolation? Um, and so sometimes people say, well, I, I need to do whatever I can do to get back in consolation, you know? Right. Um, and that just ends up being really weird. Right. Because they're trying, they're trying so hard to get some kind of spiritual high. And then if they do experience it, who knows if it's of God or just of themselves, you right. know? And there are ways to kind of prove, you know, consolation. My idea of consolation, you uh, know, in a sense, because I was thinking about this today, um, I had some, I had some, you know, time to process. How during, did you? During okay. uh, uh, 
Uh, you look deeply da- consoled in holy hour this morning. During daily so. mass. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyways, um, but I was thinking about it, I was like, what's my image for consolation? I was like, okay. Um, well, it's kind of twofold. If you remember in Koopa Beach, Mario Kart 64, okay. yeah. there was this huge ramp that went over this rock, okay? And if you hit that ramp just right, you could zoom up that ramp, fly over the rock, and then land just short of the finish line, and then it would be an epic uh, end to whatever race you were doing. And the only way you could really do it is if you had a mushroom. Like, even if you even if you tried to drive up it, you weren't going to be able to do it. And if you had a golden mushroom, I mean, you were, you were good, right. you know? So it's that image of just me just powering through, not on my own, like, efforts, but, like, something else is pushing me from behind, just... just glory cloud okay and then the other image related to that is when grace jacobs now grace cleary um and connor lyle talked smack to us in the gandakuda oh yeah and they won the first round of our euchre game and then they kept talking smack talking smack and then we won the next 10 points and i told grace in the gandakuta I was like, I feel like I'm riding one of those golden <laughs> mushrooms right now and just going, make, 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 And I was so happy, you know? And I just felt like, you know, everything is right, you know? There's other beautiful images of consolation, but that one to me, it was like triumphalistic, right? You can't always have that. Right. You can't always have that, and you can't even make that happen for yourself. Right. And if you are making that happen for yourself then perhaps you're making prayer into more about you than it is about God. Um, I would say, and I think I asked Father Goronsky uh, before, when I, when I heard this kind of comment, what would you say is the the normal base of the, like, base, home base disposition of the spiritual life? And he said uh, indifference, like, um, uh, not like, not the whatever Galassenheit or whatever, like I don't care, mm-hmm. but like I'm available for whatever, you know, Lord, if you call me to do this, I'm, I, I'm totally disposed to your will right. and I will do it. Is there another word for that? I mean, uh, well, I think indifference is good, but it's just, it's just, we have to just, it's a like passionate indifference, you know, for Ignatius. So that's what he would say. Or and that's actually what readiness, availability. Yes. That's, that's yeah. Galassenheit is just flat, just nothing. Yeah. Just a- a- apathetic in the sense of apathos, the absence of... Right. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's want, it, though. What do you want to eat? I don't care, you know? But that's the... Yeah, that's it. That's the point of the spiritual... I want to push this even further, So I but, will, I, but I'll wait. Okay. I got. I mean, I think I, we can even... I got one more. I got one more quote, and then you can fire off. All right. Okay. So indifference, indifference in that sense is... Lord, if you ask me to do something, I'm I'm ready and willing and able to do it. Um, and I have, I mean, I desire neither riches nor nor more poverty, neither a long life nor a short life, neither um, you know honor or like you know being ignored by everyone. I only want to do your will, and and that whole uh, passionate indifference. If you get brought into consolation, praise God. If you get brought into desolation, well, then I do what I need to do in order to get back, not necessarily into consolation, but into a place where I'm free to do the will of the Lord. Um, And it was great. The other day, there are very few moments that I have, you know, to myself in the confessional, which sometimes I lament, but then I have to be like, why am I complaining that people are going to confession? Uh, But I still lament because I'm Jewish. Um, (laughs) But I was read when when people aren't in there, I'll read uh, the Imitation of Christ. 
um, which is a, a fantastic book. Um, and he says this. Um, <laughs> My child, it is safer for you to conceal even from your own eyes the grace of devotion. It is better not to be elated by it or speak much about it or take much account of it, but to think all the more humbly of yourself because of it and to tremble at the thought that such a grace is given to one as unworthy of it as you are. Do not cling too tenaciously to any feelings of devotion, for they may quickly become just the opposite. When you are blessed with the grace of devotion, consider how wretched and helpless you are when you are left without it. For progress in the spiritual life lies not so much in having the grace of consolation as in enduring its withdrawal with such humility, resignation, and patience that even then you do not grow listless at prayer or at all negligent in your other customary good works. Ooh. I love that idea of yeah, progress in the spiritual life lies not in having the grace of consolation. Yeah. Because the point is God is testing you to see how do you run the race? Right. Are you only focused on, I got to collect as many consolation boosts as I possibly can, and then just say, awesome, like, that that's the point. It's like, no, it's actually about steadfast witness right. to prayer and to the presence of God. I think that's the... Well done, well done. I think that's it. It's about perseverance in the end of the day. It's not, not so much about the feelings. And I was thinking about St. Paul. It's like, at the end of his life, he's like, I have kept the faith, you know, I have competed well, I have run, I have run the race. He doesn't say... Man, I had some amazing consolations, you know? He says, the Lord's been good to me, and I've been faithful to him in suffering, period. Did you know there's a new triple-layer crunch wrap? Oh, my Keenan Keenan Fitzpatrick just texted me that. Sorry. I was looking for something on my phone here, and then I got Don't distracted. Don't get me off on this. They had this, like, quesarito the other day, and that <laughs> thing was amazing, and then it went away. So the <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm totally agreeing Progress with everything you're in saying. The spiritual life not, lies not in having quesaritos or Crunchwrap Supremes of the spiritual life, right. but in hungering and eating. Right. That would be a segue. Good. Anyways, I want to push, push it even further. Push it even further. This is high, we're in the realm of hypothesis. Dun, dun, dun. So I have now directed the exercises a couple times. got to keep an eye uh, on the time. Keep an eye on the time. And um, I'll, I'll make this brief. But I had a lot of good conversations with my friend Father Austin Leakey, um, who listens to this podcast, who gave a great, great guest on a couple months ago about the concept of discernment and its misuse in the spiritual life. Get a Dominican on this topic and they will go nuts, right? Yes. Because everything is discernment, 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 discernment. Okay. Which is Ignatius, Ignatius's language. Now, when I study the spiritual exercises and I reread them and reworked through them for this retreat for Father Dan, Eusterman, and these guys, I came to this hypothesis. For St. Ignatius, the language of discernment is used only for spirits and not for action. There's nowhere that I have found in the spiritual exercises where he talks about discerning action. Now, this is radical Mm -hmm. because if you think about it, then to say, I'm discerning this choice, discerning this person, discerning between the Crunchwrap Supreme and the Cheesy Gordita Crunch, this kind of language that can move to absurdity in its very foundation is not even Ignatian if you say... Now, uh, granted, when when we use the language of I'm considering I'm considering this in prayer, we use the language of discernment. Mm-hmm. But technically speaking, technically speaking, God is not going to... You, you, to discern means to to separate in your mind. That's what the Latin, right? Mm-hmm. To, to sift and to separate. But Ignatius is more pragmatic and more reasonable. And that's, that's Litke's whole point, is to say prudence, virtue, reason 
are the ways that we come to make decisions, even in the spiritual life. So you can't over-spiritualize it and say, I discern this, right? Sure. I'm going to do this. That's I'm going to move my family yeah. here, or That's we're going to do this, yeah. or... And you hear this language a lot, yep. a lot, and it gets abused. And I, I'm starting to realize, yeah. I think we got to kind of tuck it in a little bit around the way that we use discernment. It's a legitimate word. It describes a legitimate experience of the Christian life. But I'm not necessarily sure we should be saying, I'm discerning activities. Yes, We discern spirits, which is how God is working within us. It's, an, it's not an active mm-hmm. work of discernment, so to speak. Well, I mean... The one, one uh, another person that didn't like that word was uh, Archbishop Shapu, right? Because I said that to him in spiritual direction once, and he said, he said, or the the th- phrase that he didn't like was, "I feel led to," hmm. you know, "I feel led to," or you know, "I discerned," you know. He's like, "Well, what if I discerned to steal a plate of donuts from you know a shop?" He's like, "I just I discerned this, and I felt led to it." He's like, "How do you know which spirits actually led you to do that?" Um, so in that sense, you have to. You have to say it, there's something related to the to the spirits in in our actions. You know, like I mean, the evil spirit is proposing certain things. He's supro- he's proposing certain thoughts, feelings, desires, um, ways of being, whatever, and that has to be uh, sifted. You know, like I mean, right. sifted through. The other thing is this, and I think this is a good story to illustrate this in the book. Uh, St. Ignatius's autobiography, um, at some point before he goes to uh, uh, Montserrat, he's on a donkey and he pulls up alongside of a guy who is a uh, infidel, maybe a Muslim, I don't know. But the guy starts making, probably not a Muslim then, but the guy starts making uh, comments against Our Lady and very kind of vile comments. And Ignatius's passions flare up. And so what he does is he 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 stops and he like gets back from the guy or whatever, and he's like, I want to kill this man, I want to assault him, uh, but I also want to like give my life you know to God at you know Montserrat and everything. So I have to in some ways leave that life behind, but I don't know what to do because he's insulting Our Lady and it would be a good thing for me to like tell this guy you can't do that again and then pop him in the face. So what he does is he places the uh, reins of the donkey. Uh, over the donkey's like ears and he lifts his hands and he says uh whatever you will lord and the donk there's a fork in the road and if if the donkey goes right he's going to confront the guy if the donkey goes left he's going to go on to Montserrat and the donkey went left again it's about indifference right and about uh, I choose whatever the will of God is and I'm hoping that he is leading me towards that right um I don't know. I mean, like, did he propose, was he proposing an action there, you know? Well, it's, it's an interesting image, and I think there's so much we could talk about in this, and I don't want to stray from the topic, which is more about consolation, it, desolation, but the, the point of it is to say this. If you're living, if you're, if, you're, if you're trying to live the faith in the continual pursuit of consolation, right. then you will be tempted to use discernment, the language of discernment, in the guise of self-will. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of the spiritual exercises is the removing of inordinate attachments within your life so that you can grow in indifference. Yes. So that you can be more deeply surrendered to what God is asking, which is the death of self-will. And God uses both desolation and consolation, and the movement between them gives us the rules from St. Ignatius in order to guide us through them, in order to move us to that place of indifference. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. 
And I, I think that it's hard for people because either they're continually seeking to be consoled or like they're upset that they're not consoled or they're upset that they don't know if they're in desolation or not. And I'm like, actually, you're just driving. You're just right where you need to be. You're not in consolation. You're not in desolation. It's okay. Like, just keep living the discipline of your own life, work, prayer, study, relationships, whatever. At some point, something will happen, you know? And it may not be within a days or weeks or whatever. Eventually, you'll either be brought into consolation or desolation. And the consolation will last for a time. About as time, about the same amount of time as a golden mushroom. Or right. maybe a little mushroom. But that's all you get. And then you just keep walking. Your desolation... Yeah, it's going to be bad for a while. It may go on for some time, but it may it won't be for forever. And so you have to discern, why am I being brought in this? So that you can be brought back, not to the place of consolation, but so you can walk back into the middle, get back into the middle, so that you can keep going. Hmm. That's the point. So, folks, St. Ignatius, Thomas Akempis, um, I don't know who else we referenced in this podcast, Goronsky, uh, they're all leading you to... Uh, not necessarily the the avoidance of consolation or the avoidance of desolation, but just saying, don't seek the pleasures of one or the other or one over the other. Seek the will of God. Amen. Amen. I'm worried we're gonna go over. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's Are we make, over? Uh, I don't know, but let's let's we got another one to do here, so let's just wrap wrap up these uh, good these uh, shoutouts real quick, and then we'll do the rest on the next one. Father Jordan Sampson listening in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Nice. Great guy. I was shocked. He was the one who told Father Nate the Liberté to start listening. So I said, we're going to give that guy a shout out. So Father Jordan, an old friend from College Seminary, great priest in South Dakota. Take care of Nolan and Grace Cleary for us. Oh, yeah. New, just poached Grace from the West. Grace Cleary. Enjoy that. <laughs> and then my aunt, Anita Barger, who listens to the podcast. Yes, that's right. Did yeah. you talk to her? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yep. So that was wonderful. Yeah, a nice little dance. Yeah, she's awesome. So Here, thanks for wanna, listening, Antonita. Do you want to read this last name? Here you go. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> uh, I want to give. You've got I, to be kidding. I, I'm going to give a shout out. There's to, no vowels in this word. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Caleb Archer. Caleb is one of our uh, parishioners, and he asked me the other day, "Do you want more boxes of Sour Patch Kids?" And I thought he was saying. Do you want more boxes, as in more 3.5-pound bags of Sour Patch Kids? And I go, no, absolutely not. Well, he was saying, like, the little mini bags that uh-huh, you get at uh-huh. the movie theater. Um, so he ended up giving me one. I said, keep the rest for your brothers. His brothers are uh, Joel and Beckett. Um, they're, you know, in our choir. They're the son of our, our deacon, Deacon Matt, Monica, his wife. Um, so shout out to Caleb. He was like, please, please, please give me a shout out on the podcast. And I was Got like, it. Absolutely. So thank you for your gift. Um, as of right now, we haven't popped him open, but all in, all in, all in I'm going to guess Carl Prisbilic. Prisbilic? Prisbilic. Prisbilic. Is that right? Prisbilic. P-R-Z-Y-B-Y-L-E-K. Did he come by the parish? I love it. Um, yes, he came by the parish and dropped off a bottle of basil, Hayden's. Thank you. I think uh, we've been enjoying that recently. Yep. So thank, thank you, you Carl. so much. Appreciate it. Um, I know we butchered your name, and I do apologize. And Gronsky would be very upset that we hurt uh, a Polish name. So. Um, well, you want to save the rest for... Yes. All right, folks, catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Great to have you back, John Great Ringo. to be back. Great to be with you, Gobes. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Ciao, ciao.